The Minnesota Wilds come up just a little short in Kevin Fiala's return to the XL Energy Center. We have a full breakdown for you on today's Locked on Wild postcast. You are Locked on Wild postcast, part of Locked on Sports Minnesota, your team every day. Welcome into tonight's Locked on Wild postcast. The Minnesota Wild lose 7-6 to to the Los Angeles Kings. Seth Topol here joined by Kevin Gorg via phone. And Kevin, a better effort from the Wild offense tonight, but uh, defensively and goaltending-wise, a lot of the same problems we saw on opening night against the Rangers. Yeah, it's very hard uh, right now to explain what you're watching, but when you give up 14 goals, in your first two home games, uh, that's usually a pretty good-sized red flag. And listening to Dean Everson tonight and talking to some of the guys leaving the rink, um, it's certainly front and center on their mind. They've got to get this cleaned up. They've got to get better goaltending for sure. Uh, and they've also got to play better team defense and stay out of the penalty box. There's been a multitude of reasons um, for their struggles defensively. And uh, it certainly starts with goaltending, but it's, there's a lot of layers to this. Well, and I, I want to go to the, the one goal in particular because, again, like against the Rangers, there was some fault on the defense, there was some fault on the goaltending, but when you have a player from the other team taking a shot from the top of the zone, that's a save you absolutely have to make. It is, and, and I know uh, seeing Marc-Andre Fleury both uh, leaving the ice after the first period and then seeing him after this game in the locker room, uh, the disappointment on his face. Uh, it was, I'm certain for him, an embarrassing moment because he had a clear look. He misjudged it. And, you know, Dean Everson made a, a really good point in his post-game presser here just a few minutes ago. He said, Marc-Andre Fleur is a lot like a lot of our players that maybe are fighting a little bit right now and, and trying to do a little too much. And when you try to do a little too much and not just do your job, then things can compound. And, you know, Fleury looked like he was fighting the puck against the Rangers on opening night, I watched him in practice yesterday. It didn't go well, um, but, you know, he's a veteran player. You figure, okay, get him back out there. The lights are bright. He'll, he'll find a way to bounce back. And it didn't play out that way, but, you know, he's, he's been through this many, many times. Um, he's played nearly 1,000 games in this league. I, I think he'll figure it out. But uh, the hard thing is for Dean Everson right now, he's got the avalanche coming into town, and I think he's got to figure out if you're going to let Mark andre for practice his way out of this the players way out of this because you don't want to start 0-3 and give yourself a, a chance to start 0-4 knowing after this homestand you go on the road for five and, and we'll talk about philip gustafson here in just a second because he did come in to replace flurry for the second and third periods but you know we we talk about that goal but then some of the problems defensively that continue to be an issue where uh, on the adrian kempe goal where he basically just walks up on one side of the net with nobody really contesting him whatsoever. And so, yes, there were some bad goals for the goalie, but we're just we're seeing this team just out of position defensively too. We are. And in back-to-back games where their defensive zone coverage has looked like a mess. And, you know, it, it's hard to put a finger on it, but I think hockey is one of those games where everybody kind of feeds off each other. And, you know, they look like a team that went through the <laughs> – the preseason and training camp and hit all the right notes. They were working really hard on the power play, really hard on the penalty kill. They had some really solid efforts in preseason. 
They looked like a team that was going to hit the ground running, but I think they put so much focus on the special teams that sometimes maybe just basics. The five-on-five was something that wasn't top of the mind. And when you get a little bit out of sorts, like they did, falling behind 3 nothing on Thursday, falling behind 3 nothing tonight, in this league, you can't do that. You're not going to win hockey games. And I think the quicker this team realizes they need to play with a lead, the quicker they realize that the 21 goals they scored with the extra attacker, the nine games they won last year, tying it up in the last minute and going to overtime or a shootout and winning, that's not repeatable. That was a magical year. I don't think they could ever hope to do that again. And so they've got to get back to basics. And I think having the, the cup champions come in in a couple of nights is probably the best thing for them because, you know, if you're the Minnesota Wild right now, you know if you don't play good defense on that particular night, you're not going to ever be in the hockey game. Yeah, it's it's frustrating to say the least. And, you know, there there are other things that, that you can point to. But, again, there are some things that, uh, on a positive note for this team, did go well. Once again, um, it, it's pretty clear through two games that that uh, top power play unit is a drastic improvement over the special teams that we saw last year. Uh, three power play goals again tonight, and uh, just really even in the instances in which they didn't score, just controlling the uh, the zone presence and really just making it look pretty good out there for that top power play unit. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's the real positive uh, trend you can take from these first couple of games. And I'll take the numbers out of it, but as a hockey fan, just watch your, you know, watch the play, use the eye test. Last year where they got so bogged down in the neutral zone, they got they got so in trouble just trying to get the zone and get fed up. They've been far more efficient uh, from point A to point B. They've been drastically better in the face-off circle. And when they get the puck in the zone and you put that type of skill on the ice, the Zuccarellos, the Boldies, the Caprisas, good things are going to happen. And so that is something tangible as a wild thing you can hang on to and remind yourself that, you know, we've got two games down and 80 more to go. And over the course of the season, a lot of this is going to regress back to the, the, the mean, so to speak. The goaltending is going to level itself off. The team's going to get back to who their identity is because the core of this team is still here. The, the great blue line they had last year is still here. And, you know, they're, they're going to be who they are. It's just they haven't got there yet. They needed to get better on the power play. We're two games in. Same thing. That doesn't make a season. they got to keep building on that. But uh, I think that the biggest thing right now is not the panic. Uh, they're a resilient bunch. And I loved what Dean Emerson said, closing his press conference by, by just basically reminding the media, hey, not a great start. Doesn't feel good right now. But this group doesn't panic. And this group always comes back. And it's the same group we've seen for the last couple of years. And that is the staple of the, the character of this club. And it starts with their leaders. And I think if you put this in perspective, it'll, you know, a couple of weeks from now, a month from now, just be a big old bump in the road. Um, before we move on, because I do, I do want to spend some time talking about Philip Gustafson in getting his first look as, uh, as a wild goalie in a regular season game. And, of course, collecting his, uh, his first assist as a member of this <laughs> wild team. But I just want to talk about Fiala's debut with, uh, at, back at Minnesota as a member of the Los Angeles Kings. He looked great. He obviously got a goal, a couple of assists, and uh, it was pretty easy to tell that he was fired up to be back uh, this time as an opponent. Yeah, and i, I got to tell you, talking to Kevin this morning uh, outside the, the dressing room for the Kings, 
he just seems happy. And, you know, Kevin's always been a guy that's been intense. He's always had passion for what he does. He just, in the last couple of years, has taken such a big step off the ice in his maturity. You know, it's, it's tough to lose a player like that, but you pull for Kevin Fiala because he was such a good kid. And, you know, this morning talking to him, that smile on his face, you know, the last couple of years, you know, Wes Walls made that point in the pregame show before opening night. You know, these players, when they're in a one-year deal, they have a gun to their head. And he answered the bell, you know, with a career-best year last year. And he deserved to get paid. He loves it in L.A. Um, he still loves his guys here. Had dinner with a bunch of his former teammates uh, last night when he got to Minnesota. Um, loved coming back to the rink and gave a bunch of us a big old hug. And he just seems at peace with everything. He loves the warm weather. He loves being on that L.A. Kings team. He loves being a big weapon uh, that they brought in and, and knows he's going to get a bunch of ice time with some top players out there. And I think he's really proud of what he did in Minnesota. He he went from, from really being a boy to a man as a hockey player in his years with the Minnesota Wild, and you can credit Dean Evison and that coaching staff, but you also have to credit Kevin Fiala. And so you're right. You knew he'd be motivated. You knew he'd be out there uh, trying to make big plays. He scored a huge game, along, a huge goal along the way in this hockey game, had multiple points, and looked like the Kevin Fiala we saw last year. I'm not surprised. Uh, I still think he has deficiencies defensively, uh, but he's still a very, very special player uh, on the offensive side of the puck. We're going to continue this postcast by, of course, discussing Philip Gustafson. I want to talk about the uh, the grief line uh, because uh, I thought those guys were great tonight, but uh, we'll talk about that as well. As we continue today's Locked on Wild postcast, Wild losing 7-6 to six to the Los Angeles Kings. Tonight's postcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net. They're your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, plus team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can possibly imagine. And as always, BetOnline.net remains your continued source for all of your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, the NFL, every week of crazy college football action, and of course the NHL coming back with opening week. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. All at BetOnline, where the game starts. Minnesota Wild losing 7-6 to to the Los Angeles Kings, so I hope everybody took the over. Uh, in this one tonight. And Kevin, uh, Philip Gustafson making his wild debut tonight, not in the fashion we would have expected. But um, I I liked what we saw from Gustafson tonight. He was uh, kind of a calming presence there in net. And yes, he did give up uh, the three goals. But honestly, I, I think there's something there. And uh, I think we saw a little bit of um, what the Wild saw in him when they acquired him in the Cam Talbot trade. Yeah, no question. And I'm sure there was always going to be some nerves when he made his first regular season appearance. He had a really good training camp. He got better as it went on. And I think from, from a goalie's perspective, I can tell you from personal experience, uh, it's kind of like a free roll when you get to come off the bench in a game like this where, you know, the other guy's giving up all those goals and gets the hook. You know, you come in and, you know, if, if, if it goes the same way, well, then it was just a, a bad loss for the team. But if you're able to get your team back in the game and give them a chance to win it, it's really galvanizing. So I think it's great for this young man. He's 24 years old. He's a real quiet kid. Plays a completely different style than Mark andre Fleury. He's a bigger body goalie. Plays more of his position. I thought 
to your point, Seth, he came out and made a couple of really big saves early. I was standing in the tunnel behind the wild bench at that point. They were going crazy, banging their stick on the board. It gave them a lift. And the, the wild were able to get back in the hockey game because of the way he played, had a great assist on one of those goals along the way. Um, and it's a developing situation, right? And this guy's got less than 30 games of NHL experience. But regardless of how Marc-Andre Fleury's played, I can tell you right now that from talking to Philip Gustafson during training camp, he is just thrilled to have Marc-Andre Fleury in his ear. And I'll tell you, on Friday after practice, we were in the locker room over at Tria Rink, and Marc-Andre Fleury was over sitting at Gustafson's locker, and they were just talking about life. But, I mean, that's what you need for a young man to help his development, that wealth of experience, a would-be Hall of Famer that's won three cups, and a Vesna is only going to help his development. And this kid's got talent. Played in Ottawa on a team that wasn't born anywhere, especially defensively, the, the time he spent up there. And this is a kind of a new lease on life. Um, all the lines pretty much put in a little bit of a blender tonight, with the exception of one. Marcus Foligno, Jewel Eriksson and Tyson Jost stayed together for the entirety of the game. And I have to give those guys a ton of credit because you look for that line to be kind of your identity line, the grief line, without Jordan Greenway. Those guys were winning a ton of puck battles. Felino ended up getting the, uh, the, the goal that he scored single-handedly because of a couple of puck battles that were won. And I know that's something that uh, that Dean Evison loved to see is that those guys continued to win those dirty battles on the boards. And I think, depending on what happens when Jordan Greenway comes back, that trio definitely has some staying power. No question. It'll be an option. I think when, when Greenway comes back and he's getting closer and closer, he's been cleared for full contact. He's been practicing with the team now and, and looks, frankly, pretty good doing it off that shoulder surgery. So, yeah. You know, let's talk about what you get with Eck and Foligno. You kind of, with Jewel Erickson Eck, you know what you're going to get every single night. You know, and with Foligno, you get so much <laughs> with the passion and the physical play. And now he's added his offensive skill set after a career year in that category last year. But let's get to Tyson Joe. This guy's got a ton of versatility to his game because it's not always easy just to hop on a grinding line for a speed guy like Tyson Joe and make it work. He's so smart without the puck. He's such a hard worker along the wall. And so I think he's kind of evolved into a role there that's fit with those two guys. Not everybody can do that, but he has done it. And I, I just think Tyson Jost is one of those wild cards or X-factor players this year that has the potential to really move the needle in a lot of different areas for this hockey team. I think you're going to see him move around a little bit through the course of this schedule. You're going to see you know, players get hurt, players get sick, what have you. He can play a lot of different roles. He can do a lot of different things, and he's got a ton of skill. So I think Tyson Jones deserves some credit here. And, you know, Eck and Foligno are just such grinders, man. They just bring it every single night. But it's, it's cool to see someone other than Jordan Greenway go up there and have some success with that line. That gives Dean Everson options when Greenway comes back, and I would not be surprised if we see Jordan Greenway back sometime in the next seven or ten days. It would not surprise me. Uh, one final one that I want to get to here. I saw it in the comments here, and so I uh, wanted to make sure that we mentioned it. Obviously, some frustration with the amount of time that Marco Rossi and that entire fourth line got for uh, time on ice tonight. That's just that's another product of what we saw against the Rangers, and again tonight, the Wild playing catch-up uh, for basically the entire game, and so consolidating their lineup. 
it's it's not an ideal situation to uh, to have those guys playing as few minutes as they are. But I, I would imagine you agree that it's not something that we expect to continue, and those guys are going to get their opportunities here once the ship kind of gets righted. Yeah, you make an excellent point because I think it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the Wild playing a better brand of hockey. We've seen a couple of really sloppy games, and it comes with sloppy games. Uh, it, it includes dumb penalties, and when there's a penalty-filled game and you're chasing the game, uh, the, the victim will be the fourth line. And, you know, we saw a fantastic preseason for Marco Rossi and Duhame and Dewar have taken another step in their development. But back-to-back games where there's just been no flow. And so they haven't had a chance to get into any rhythm. I had a conversation with Duhame this morning after skate, and, you know, he said, we have to know um, that it's not going to be a consistent one, two, three, four. There are going to be penalties, and we got to stay sharp. And you hear him on the bench. He's vocal. Uh, he's, a, he's an energy guy. I think Marco Rossi's the guy you want to keep a close eye on because this is a guy that all his life has been a go-to player, has been a star player. He's played a, a bulk of the minutes. It's, a, it's an adjustment in a lot of areas when you are a first-year NHLer. And part of that process is mentally staying sharp and being able to contribute when your number's called, even though it might not be you know, as frequent as you'd like. And because he's going to be a part of the, the power play situation, he might get a little more extra ice time. But five-on-five, five, not a lot of room for error. I know he took the penalty tonight that he'd like to have back. Um, I wouldn't worry about him. He's a pro. He's a quiet, confident kid. He'll figure it out, but, you know, it, it needs to be cleaner on the side of the Minnesota Wild to get all those players going because this team, Seth, is built around depth. Yep. You know, they have got depth up front and depth on the blue line, and you're continually going to shoot yourself in the foot when you do two things. Take a bunch of penalties and get down 3 nothing in hockey games. That depth never has a chance to really make a difference in that point. Wild now 0-2 on the season, and they have the Avalanche coming to town on Monday. So, uh, yes, they're playing the Stanley Cup champions, maybe in a roundabout way that forces the Wild to put their A game on display. We'll wait and see. Kevin, thank you so much for the time here recapping this one. Unfortunately, the Wild lose 7-6, to but plenty to talk about. And so make sure that you are joining us each and every game to uh, get the full recap in our Locked on Wild postcasts. Uh, stay tuned for more coming throughout the season at Locked on Wild. Make sure you're following wherever you listen to your podcasts, and uh, we'll do it again on Monday. And hopefully the Wilds can get into the win column. All, and, all that and more coming up as part of the Locked on Sports Podcast Network.